Today, we are super excited to welcome Mr. Rick Sellers. Uh, Rick is a recognized leader in the fields of clean and renewable energies, dedicated to hastening the transition away from fossil fuels. Throughout his career, he's held leadership roles with a variety of renewable energy agencies and companies, gleaning years of experience developing and implementing strategies to deploy more sustainable energy solutions. He worked for the International Energy Agency and the Solar Energy Industry Association. He's the managing partner at Circularity Edge, LLC, an enterprise founded with the intention to use the change potential of enterprise to drive the transition from an unsustainable linear economy to a sustainable circular economy by design. Circularity Edge is an affiliate of Circular Fuels and is currently working to create circular economy solution sponsored by the West Indies Rum Distillery to reduce its costs of heat and eliminate its carbon footprint. So at Raise Green, we believe a clean energy and climate resilient infrastructure is critical to achieving a sustainable future, which is why we're thrilled to have Rick here to share his experience and expertise in the field. So uh, let's, let's give Rick a call. All right, we'll put him on the phone. Rick, do we have you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Well, great. Wonderful. Wonderful to have you. Um, so first off, who are you? How did you get here? Well, my background for the past 35 years or so has been exclusively in clean energy and sustainability. Kind of a second career for me, but nevertheless, I have been enjoying myself. I got involved back in the early, mid-1980s when solar energy was a kind of gleam in our eye but the first commercial systems were starting to come out into the marketplace. And I got involved in a promotional program when the former governor of Massachusetts created a program to try to keep the industry in Massachusetts. There, there actually was a time when 85% of all the photovoltaic modules in the world were manufactured in Massachusetts. And um, he wanted to keep the manufacturing there. Unfortunately, the total production that year was only three megawatts. <laughs> it was tiny compared to where we are today. But these were the first commercial systems. And um, I was in charge of international sales. And it may be that I was the only person in the world doing international sales at the time. Our first sale was a village system to Kenya. And we invited the Minister of Energy over to work out the details of the uh, of the project. From there, I, I got involved in a bunch of different activities, including becoming the deputy director of the Solar Energy Industries Association in Washington. Uh, and I was in charge of markets. The head of the organization was in charge of policy and lobbying, and I was the markets guy. And I worked with uh, utilities and investment groups and companies to see how we could commercialize uh, photovoltaic. From there, I went to the International Energy Agency in Paris, where I was the founder of the uh, Renewable Energy Program. Uh, IEA is a, an oil and gas institute. And when I arrived, <laughs> I can tell you there, was, there were a lot of backroom, back-channel discussions going on of where's this guy coming from, because we're all about oil and gas and coal. It was a fossil institution. At the same time, I give the guys great credit there because by the time I left in 2005, I think we had planted a seed which has grown to the point where the IEA is now one of the strongest international advocates for renewable energy and, and clean energy that you'll find anywhere. 
I left the IEA and I got involved in project development and I did solar and uh, a bit of wind in Europe. And then as the European market saturated, I moved to doing projects in Africa, North Africa and, and Western Africa, I would say. More and more of my work has turned towards circular economy and putting clean energy development in the context of both community development and sustainable development with an eye toward climate change, which is, of course, the biggest threat, I think, that we have today. Where I am today is de developing and originating projects. Uh, the project with the West Indies Rum Distillery is a good example of a great project uh, because we're going to take not only the waste that they're currently just pumping into the ocean, feeding the fish, uh, and use that to create heat, but we're going to combine it with real problematic waste streams that the island has with uh, the organic fraction of municipal waste and slaughterhouse waste and fish processing waste and manures and things. And from that, we're going to generate heat for the distillery so it doesn't have to burn fossil fuels any longer. We're going to make electricity for the grid also to avoid the use of fossil fuels. And we're going to make a digest state, which is a terrific fertilizer, and with it, we're hoping to revolutionize agriculture on the island. So that kind of brings you up to speed on where I am and, and what I'm doing. Phenomenal. Well, Rick, uh, what a storied career to get to this point. The story continues with this Barbados project. You've already gone a bit into this with sharing some of the details of, of this anaerobic digester you're working on. And first of all, hats off to the work, the early groundwork at IEA. Truly incredible how they've, they've come around. Um, I'm noting a June 9th press release. It's time to make clean energy investment in emerging and developing economies a top global priority. Coming from an oil and gas organization, that is a tectonic shift. Thinking about the context of the project uh, in Barbados, the government has announced its plans to make the country powered by 100% renewable sources by 2030. And I'm curious uh, if you can elaborate on that project and what it means to um, to both uh, the businesses involved as well as uh, the community surrounding it. Sure, um, happy to do that. The, the The project is a five megawatt project, which is substantial but not gigantic for anaerobic digestion. The challenge that we had is that the distillery is located basically on a sandbar, and it's not going to move anywhere, <laughs> not anytime soon. It's in an industrial area where adjacent to it is a uh, former fossil fuel terminal, oil tanks, and uh, the company that owns it was bringing oil in, pumping it into their storage facilities, and then pumping it on and, and selling it on the island for different fuels for transport and for home and, and commerce. The footprint that we have to work with is actually quite small. So on the one hand, we need five megawatts of electricity and most importantly, five megawatts of heat or heat equivalent in order to provide a, a solution to the distillery. But on the other side, we're constrained with the amount of area that we have available to us. Fortunately, the site that we're going to use for the AD plant is adjacent to the largest power plant campus on the island. Most importantly, what we've done over the past year while COVID has been raging, we've continued to do outreach for feedstock. You know, one person's waste is another person's treasure. And so our treasure comes in the form of 
waste materials from food processing, from agriculture. It comes, of course, from the distillery, as I mentioned. But the combination of those uh, allows us to have a more complex and productive feedstock mix that will allow us to provide the amount of energy that is required by the facilities in the, in the neighborhood. The island total production uh, capacity for electricity is only 150 megawatts. So our project is going to be producing you know, three, on the order of 3% of the island's electricity. And we're baseload, of course. We're, we're going to produce 24-7, 50 weeks a year. And that will help them because they have a lot of solar and they have a lot of wind, but they don't have a lot of uh, baseload clean energy. And so our production is going to be vital to the island. The other thing that we're doing is we're using both crowdfunding for um, part of our, our development process. And we're also going to be incorporating an opportunity for local Bayesian investors, um, small investors, to come into a syndicate so that we can have economic participation by people on the island. The, the big investors who are going to be involved in this are going to be uh, organizations like the owner of the site that we're going to use. They're going to convert that into capital. And the chicken farm, the largest chicken farm on the island, is going to provide us with all of their waste in a way that is going to reduce their cost of getting rid of that waste, but also is going to provide us with a vital feedstock. And that's where we're looking for win-win solutions that allow the project to solve problems while providing answers. And uh, we, we think we've got a, a good handle on that and a good strategy for that. And so we're really looking forward to taking the project to the next step. Fantastic, Rick, um, really exciting. Um, Baseload renewables is kind of a holy grail. And I think uh, you're certainly smart to target projects like biogas and anaerobic digestion that kind of help fill that gap. Uh, there's far more to renewables than mm -hmm. solar or wind. So I guess, why even bother with crowdfunding? What is it about that compared with a traditional capital structure is appealing to you? I think it has to do with community involvement. I'm a guy who's very comfortable in, you know, large corporations and large governmental agencies. I've spent a lot of my life there, but I'm I'm reminded of a kind of saying that a, a uh, an American philosopher gave some years ago when solar and nuclear were both starting to come out into the marketplace at kind of the same time. And and he said that he thought that nuclear was going to have the advantage at the time because nuclear was a highly concentrated and very volatile technology that fit outside the community and allowed the corporate interest to really drive that uh, kind of technology. And what made that interesting is that, that nuclear is a kind of extension of a big coal plant or a big gas plant. It's a, the same idea. You know, it's a a very highly concentrated, you know, they do these things at 500 megawatts or 1,000 megawatts. The community has no involvement in it whatsoever. They're just the recipient of the pluses and minuses of what come from a project like that. Solar, on the other hand, and other renewable projects like bioenergy come out of the fabric of the community. They're part of the texture of our day-to-day -day living. So 
people have solar on their rooftop. They have a little wind machine in the back. Lots and lots of farms in America now have anaerobic digesters that are built into the local fabric. And we've come to call this distributed energy, which is kind of the, the paradigm shift that we're going from a pump and serve system, that is, uh, you know, big utility power plants driving power out into the marketplace, as opposed to what we're getting now, which is a network of utility grid, which is operating bi-directionally. It's, you know, it's being produced everywhere and it's being utilized everywhere. And the utility's job is to keep that as a balancing act, uh, not as a, as a production act. So for me, getting the community involved, both at the crowdfunding level and at the opportunity, the level of, of providing an opportunity for the Bayesian investors to come in, is all about opening up the opportunity. I, I think people need to be committed to these projects, and the way to get their commitment to them is to invite them in to participate. And I believe very, very strongly in that philosophy. Well, we're, we're happy to join you on that philosophical journey together as we build new products, new offerings on Raise Green, uh, really hoping we can move from philosophy to practice and, and do so, do so uh, in, in a way that matches the demands of the changing climate. Um, so thank you for your time, Rick. Mm -hmm. uh, really looking forward to getting your offering up and to uh, continuing to, to work to make it succeed. As am I. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Franz. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you so much, Rick.